This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, what I can tell you about Melissa Mitchell is that she has always been a keen student of human behavior and holistic well-being. She studied a variety of healing modalities. A voracious reader and an ardent student of life, she is constantly learning about and deepening her understanding of herself, her place in the world, and how she can best serve others. In her private practice, Soul to Soul Holistic Wellness, Melissa uses her combined studies and certifications in Akashic Records reading, reconnective healing, reflexology therapy, nutrition and psychology to help and inspire others to live at their highest possible level of well-being. Melissa has particular interest in empowering women to reclaim their true selves from within the busyness of their everyday lives and in how stress, traumatic life events and PTSD impact our health and well-being in all planes of existence. Since the 2015 suicide death of Melissa's 25-year-old son, she has focused on figuring out how to heal her shattered heart so that she could get unstuck from her complicated grief and move forward again, rebuilding her forever altered life from a place of personal power, purpose, and peace to thrive once again. Her healing journey inspired her to create and launch her online program, Soul Empowered Healing, for mothers surviving the suicide death of her child, a guided path to reclaiming personal power, purpose, and peace. Now it is Melissa's mission to help other mothers find resilience, peace, and a path forward from their own devastating loss by helping them connect with the higher realms of information and light so they can find the answers they need to shine once again. Melissa believes the best wealth is health and that change is always possible. Her unique view of the world may leave you with a new perspective to consider. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you today, Melissa? I'm well, Lisa. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this. Well, it's, I tell you, it's quite an honor and a privilege to have you showcased here. And I want to first start no differently than when we had our first initial behind the scenes conversation in the lead up to today. I just want to say 
that I'm in absolute awe of you, like complete awe. I've interviewed all kinds of people from all walks of life, household names, and I have never been enamored by someone's story or spirit more so than yours. Because again, being a mother myself, I, I'd like to think that I'm strong enough that I could survive, thrive through anything. This is the one thing that I really do not think that I uh, would be able to persevere and push through. And yet, not only have you done it for yourself, but now you've taken the cathartic lessons of your own healing and your own loss and your own grief and what you're doing to put it, pay it forward and to be of service to other people. It's absolutely incredible. You have my utmost respect, Melissa. Thank you, Lisa. Um, you know, as I said to you, um, this is a club that no mother wants entry into. You know, if you take a poll on pretty much every mother on the planet and say, what would your worst nightmare be? Uh, you know, 95 plus percent would say something terrible happening to my child. Um, and so it becomes a place of figuring out how to take that worst nightmare that has now become your reality um, and choosing to do something else with that. Wow. So that's uh, kind just, of... Just profound, absolutely profound. And what really, what really enamored me about you was the spirit in which you spoke. And I mean, for the benefit of the listeners and the podcast subscribers, I would like to invite you to go back so that we can talk about your son. We can talk about, um, you know, I, I want people to get a pulse and get a feeling for who he was, what he was grappling with to the degree that you feel comfortable sharing Melissa. And then I want to talk about the experience of his loss, having transcended your own journey and just your viewpoint, your outlook, your energy, your everything that you have transmuted and transformed as a result of this experience. Um, and just your languaging, just, just how you carry yourself, you personify yourself. It's unmatched. It's unlike anything I've ever seen for what other people have gone through. And it's not to negate other people's loss or situation or circumstances or their journey. Um, but th there's just something so standalone unique about you that it's, it's indescribable, actually. So I'd like to give you the opportunity to the degree that you want to share and open up. If we could talk about your son a little bit. Sure. Um, so just to give everybody a little bit of background, um, our children were born into a military family. And so they were raised sort of on the sidelines of a military career. Um, and our son, as a teenager, um, started to develop some issues around depression and anxiety. And he was... Um, super smart, like Mensa smart, um, a very talented um, musician, a very talented songwriter. Um, he was beloved uh, not only by his family, but his friends. He was an epic problem solver for his friends. I can't tell you how many times I opened my front door over the years and one of his friends would be standing on our front step, you know, bawling, saying, is Ethan at home because I need his help? Um, you know, he was very um, astute and very perceptive about many, many things in life. He had a great capacity for the esoteric. Um, he had a great capacity for um, sharp wit and humor. 
um, and possessed a very sharp wit himself, um, had a huge belly laugh, like, you know, would have a whole room full of people laughing because he had found something humorous in what was going on that none of the rest of us saw. But when he started to laugh, it was almost infectious. Um, but as a teenager, uh, we saw less and less of that humor and more grappling with, you know, a darkness uh, within him self. And, um, you know, he turned to substance to try and numb his own pain. So we spent about 10 years um, on and off dealing with, you know, depressive episodes and addiction. Um, you know, at times he managed to kick the addiction and, you know, was quite functional in life, but inevitably, you know, something would happen and trigger another bout with it. Um, you know, ultimately, as I said to you in our initial conversation, um, you know, nobody, and he said this as a young person, you know, nobody in their right mind says, I want to be a drug addict when I grow up. Mm. It just is, right? It just isn't done. Um, but, you know, each choice begets a different series of opportunities and different choices. And so for many people, um, it's a slow, insidious, slide into these things and um, unfortunately um, there just is not adequate mental health support there is not mm -hmm. adequate support within our systems um, that are meant to help and guide young people many fall through the cracks mm -hmm. um, I you know we pursued countless hours of therapy and support and guidance from the so-called experts and nothing seemed to work. You know, my strategy really with him was we just kept throwing good stuff at him and hoping something would stick. Um, and lots, lots of those good things did stick over the years. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, the darkness won out and he elected to end his own pain, um, you know, at the age of 25. Um, you know, again, from a demographics perspective, that is the largest growing demographic um, of people who do choose to end their own life, um, those between the ages of 16 and 29. Um, and yet that is the demographic that falls through the cracks because they're no longer deemed to be a child, and yet young adults don't often qualify for adult programs. Um, so there's there's much work that needs doing in all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me um, ask you this, Melissa, if you don't mind, just very quickly for the benefit of the listening audience, because I want to give them some context to this to, again, the degree sure. you feel comfortable sharing with us. So before substance abuse became his coping mechanism for numbing, for what you described about your son in terms of his disposition, his intelligence, his relatability, people gravitating towards him, was there an event or was there a circumstance or a situation where that light kind of dimmed before he even felt like he needed to turn to substance? Was there something that happened there where he went from one extreme of, of how you knew your son to then going on to the other side? You know, uh, being a military family, of course, we moved, um, you know, quite regularly. Um, for us, uh, less often than many, but, um, 
you know, he was always somebody who saw the glass as half empty, not half full. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of our postings took us to a place where, you know, it was a pretty rough town. He was bullied. Um, he was an exceptional hockey player, um, made it onto one of the rep hockey teams, but that disturbed the balance of the team that had sort of come up through the ranks together because he ended up taking somebody's spot who then didn't make the team. And so, um, you know, there's, there's not any one thing, Lisa, that I could mm-hmm. point to and say, this was the issue. You mm-hmm. know, it was more a series of small things that over time accumulated and amalgamated uh, into bigger issues. Um, you know, he was somebody who was pretty hard on himself. You know, those people who have um, a tendency towards perfectionism and who don't want others to see their pain, um, they, you know, they tend to hide that quite well with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Ethan was no different. Um, you know, he, he tried many, many different things over the years to help himself um, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting uh, irony, I guess one could say, that, you know, he was so able to help his friends and the people uh, that he cared about, and yet he couldn't solve his own problems. Well, you know, and you know, yes, and, and that's not uncommon. And I want to thank you very much for really impressing upon the listening audience, because, of course, a lot of the people who would be tuned into this program, Melissa, uh, they've probably a good portion of the demographic. They have grappled with something either intimately within their immediate circle, or they know of people, uh, the tentacles sure. of their, right. So I really appreciate you having made it crystal clear that it usually is not definitively one sole situation or circumstance. It's usually accumulation of many little things that snowball and become, overwhelmingly big in the mind and the heart and the soul of the person who's dealing with this and who does contemplate, if not successful in taking their own life. So I really appreciate you differentiating that for the listening audience and for the podcast subscribers. And I want to, I want to talk a little bit about your healing process, because of course it's never ending. Healing is, is no matter what people have gone through in their lives, we're always healing every single day. Some of us, we have better tools in our toolboxes. We have a better infrastructure of support than other people. Um, But you've done exceptionally well, even with, within your ongoing perpetual healing journey that you've come to some form of, I don't want to say, you know, call it peace, resolution, soulless, because I think there's probably always something missing. There's always a void. There's always something that can never be filled. Uh, so I don't want to negate sure. or minimize the loss. But let's talk about what you as a parent go through, because, of course, you and we talked a little bit about this in our own conversation. It's surprising the reaction you get from people. And a lot of times, you know, if something is going on with someone's child, there usually is a little bit of, uh, whether it's expressed or, or it's silent, there's judgment or, you know, well, what was going on? Because I hear you, I mean, for what you described about Ethan, the good, when he was bright, when he was light, when he was happy, when he was that attractor factor for everyone else, you could have been describing yourself. He's very much your son. Um, so and you have that and, and, and you you do you have that influence and you have that impact on other people so when i hear you describe your own son before things 
took a turn, I hear you describing how very much Ethan was his mother's son. And, um, but let's talk about what you grappled with in stages, because some people believe in stages of grief. Some people say there are no stages. It's, it's a, it's a mishmash. It's a smorgasbord. It's up and down. It's ever. Yeah, sure. I, I want to, let's talk about your healing journey with all this. Okay. So, you know, what I've come to understand, Lisa, is that um, people experience grief quite differently. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of their own perspectives. For me, because part of my work takes me into the realm of our souls in terms of reading the Akashic Records, um, and for your listening audience that may never have heard that term before, the Akashic Records are a fifth-dimensional energetic database that each soul, each place um, has a record of. And so Mm -hmm. um, some of the work that I do in my own private practice is helping people to connect with themselves at that soul level. And each of us at soul level comes with our own gifts, our own characteristics and our own traits. Um, And so for me, um, you know, my, my human self has experienced this catastrophic, devastating event as any other mother would, you know, mm-hmm. face down on the floor, not sure how I was ever going to pick myself up and get on with the business of living, like, and not sure that I actually really wanted to either initially, mm-hmm. um, because it just rocks your world right to the very core of your being. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, once you sort of um, get yourself to be able to see the light of day again, what you recognize or what I recognized, I suppose I shouldn't speak for other people, but for myself, that aha moment came when I realized one afternoon when I was having a pretty rough day, this is not honoring the gift of my life. Mm. And neither is it honoring Ethan's life or his death. He would not want to see me face down on the floor. And in fact, I was having a conversation with his spirit self um, through a friend of mine who's a very astute medium. And um, for whatever reason, she gets a very solid lock on Ethan's spirit. And so when she speaks uh, his messages, it's using the same language that you, like I can literally hear his voice saying those things because she uses the language that he would use uh, to say those things. And so one of his messages to me pretty early on was, mom, just because I took myself out does not give you the excuse to have a shitty life. Wow. Um, And, you know, that was like somebody had slapped me uh, when that message came through. Um, and it, that, was, that was an aha moment for me. Um, another one came when, you know, again, I was having a pretty messy day uh, because, you know, the roller coaster of emotions exists. And mm-hmm. because we live in this dualistic world where most people think about either this or that. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, many people live in a place where it's not and, it's or. Right. Bingo. Um, and so, right? And so, um, you know, another day when I was having a pretty messy day of emotion, because on many levels, Lisa, like, 
him him not being in this plane anymore, I feel a sense of relief that he's not being tormented um, in his day-to-day living, right? So there's this sense of relief that coexists with this profound sadness. It's an and. It's not an or. Beautiful. Um, and so, you know, part of that journey for me was coming to grips with learning to live really, really, truly in that place of and. Mm -hmm. And understanding that even though I understood the journey that he and I have been on at soul level together. um, And so, you know, I saw pretty early on uh, because of messages that, you know, I get from him from the spirit side of things that part of the reason that souls choose this really difficult, very challenging path in life is because they know that the probability of them ending their own life is very high. So what what I've learned through my explorations in the Akashic Records around suicide is that while it is a highly probable outcome, Mm-hmm. And that all the souls close to that soul have signed on for this devastating journey. It is not an outcome that is ground in stone. And the reason for that is because as our souls come into our human life experience, part of the human life experience comes with the gift of free will. Which Very means true. ultimately that we have choice. And so each soul has the ability to choose something different. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about this is that even though suicide is a high probability um, and many souls end up choosing that, um, what's interesting is that the decision in the moment is made at the human level, Mm -hmm. but the method that they choose to exit their life is often a spillover from a past life experience. Very true. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. So when I, you know, when I figured out that this wasn't honoring my life, staying face down on the floor, mm-hmm. um, then I had to figure out, okay, if not that, then what? Mm-hmm. What is this going to be for me? And you know, what I, what I describe to people is we're all familiar with the analogy of somebody throwing a pebble into a pond. Mm-hmm. And that pebble breaks the surface of the water in the pond. And we watch the ripples going out from where it entered the water. Those ripples very gently ripple out and gently touch the shores of a small body of water like a pond. And the pebble sinks to the bottom of the pond. And we don't, once the ripples are gone, we don't really think about it anymore. It's done and we move along. Mm-hmm. If we think about that analogy in terms of um, our lives and the events around losing a child to suicide, that pebble now becomes a building-sized boulder that you're heaving into this pond. The water in that pond isn't rippling gently out. It's like you know, flying out of the pond in all different directions, hitting the shores of that pond and dragging all manner of debris back into the swirling mass that is now that pond. 
And forevermore, you're going to see that gargantuan boulder in the middle of the pond. Wow. Very profound. essentially what a suicide looks like Mm -hmm. in the people who have survived around that. Your life is forever altered. It will never, ever be the same. Um, And while, you know, the stages of grief work that we know from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work all those years ago, there's absolute merit in that. You know, Mm -hmm. from a human perspective, we go through the denial, we go through the anger, you know, ultimately getting towards acceptance on some level. But what I've learned in my own journey is that grief of this nature that is so profound, it it absolutely defies description, really. Grief of this nature profoundly changes you. It absolutely does. Yeah, so I hear people talking about, well, when I get done processing my grief, and I'm like, okay, like, let me know when that happens. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, my reality is, is that, you know, you think, okay, you know, I've dealt with this piece, and then Mm -hmm. you'll be out and about doing whatever you're doing. And something will happen. Somebody will say something. A piece of music will come on. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll see somebody, you know, from your child's life. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. And all of a sudden, that pain comes thundering back uh, in a way that you couldn't have anticipated. And then you're like, well, damn, I thought I dealt with this. And here it is again. Yes. Um, Because the reality is, is it's with you. It's always with you. It's always with you. Um, Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we should lay down and have a crappy life because of that. You know, we're all here. Each of our souls has chosen to be on the planet at this time for Mm -hmm. a reason. Absolutely. And so the question for me became, what is the reason that I've had this journey with this particular being, with this particular soul. And, you know, I've learned in my own exploration that this was not the first time that Ethan and I experienced this dynamic. This was actually the fifth time. Um, And from a soul perspective, um, what we know is that a death by suicide is a catalyst. It is Mm -hmm. a catalyst for those of us left behind. It is a catalyst for change. And so in order to honor my own life and to honor the life and death of my son, Mm -hmm. what was that catalyst going to stand for? That became my question. Wow. And there, that's there lies my respect and admiration for you because a lot of people would never have been able to get beyond the point of being in the fetal position and not being able to face life and for many people who have gone through what you've gone through it's been enough of a catalyst for them to feel compelled to take their own life uh or to turn to substance or to escape or to numb so i just want to say wow 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 now i have two things i want to send i've got two thoughts that I'm, i'm juggling simultaneously as a result of listening to you melissa and one is a question and i i mean i have had suicide in my family one of my best friends committed suicide in this past year as part of the pandemic uh more recently 
a few weeks ago, another person I went to high school with committed suicide. A close colleague of mine who I interviewed on radio had committed suicide. It's, it's you know, so it's, it's in my realm of existence and reality also for what I used to do in social services where I was working right. with people in crisis. Now, I would never and have never asked this question, um, even in spite of my own personal uh, relationship with suicide. Um, but I mm -hmm. feel I can ask you this because you are so evolved and you have such a, um, an unearthly understanding about this that um, has made you be able to push beyond it to make something positive and instrumental out of your life. I could, if, if you weren't exactly who you were, I would never pose this question. And to some people, it's going to seem like <laughs> insensitive. Um, but because right. of my prior, yeah, I, I, you can handle it. So okay. I'm going to try and be delicate in my wording of this. So okay. because you understand the material world and you understand that playing out very differently than fifth dimension and because you've had mm -hmm. uh, five goals around uh, go arounds of this with you and Ethan and that's another story in itself which you can feel free to share and elaborate on or not um, but because you understand the dualities and the polarities of the, the material world versus the spiritual world my question mm -hmm. to you is for how you have come to understand and reconcile Ethan's choice his decision um, if you believe he's at peace now, regardless of how people tend to stigmatize suicide as a mother right. and with your level of evolution and awareness on all of this, would you want Ethan here still today, unhappy and struggling and not really thriving? Or are you okay with the fact that he's not here, but he's at peace and you have that relationship with him on the other side that, that makes you as a mother yeah. know that he's at peace? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a really interesting question, Lisa. And, you know, my human self, um, mm -hmm. so human Melissa would say, of course I'd want him here. Mm -hmm. Because um, if he was still in this plane, there would be hope that he could find his way past this, mm -hmm. right? Um, so my human self would instantly want to gravitate to that place. Mm -hmm. um, my more evolved soul self, um, and really that has what has allowed me as his human mother to say, no, he, he fulfilled his contract. Mm -hmm. that he had set in place at soul level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we didn't quite get the pieces pulled together that he and I at soul level were working on before he exited this life. So mm -hmm. some, of, some of his share of the journey has now fallen on my shoulders. Um, but part of this journey for us is that shifting of the vibration. Yes. Is... is creating that consciousness where we say, you know what, I'm not going to stay stuck in my humanness. Mm -hmm. And our human selves are very dense. And this, this third world dimension that we live in on planet Earth is a very dense place. 
Yes. And so we feel things very, very profoundly because really part of our human experience is that intersection between our soul self, pardon me, and our human physical self. But the place that those things intersect is in the emotional realm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's a long answer to your question, but really the answer is, Lisa, is no, I would not want him here suffering anymore. Um, mm-hmm. he, he suffered long and hard enough. And, the, you know, the fact that he's in a place where he is at peace and where he can continue um, to drive that evolution in, in terms of that vibrational component, um, probably more effectively from where he is now. Yes, very uh, than true. Than he could, you know. And, you know, I can tell you um, with all truth that, you know, his life and his death has had a significant, very profound impact on a number of his friends who mm-hmm. were also grappling with substance issues and, um, you know, other mental health issues. And Ethan's death caused them to make different choices to seek out a different kind of help and so therein lies that catalyst for change at play Mm -hmm. in our earthly existence wow well let me ask you this then as well melissa so the medium who's able to channel the messages of Ethan and does so in his jargon and you know for a fact that it's him. So does she have the capabilities of just being able to in the here and now in earthly sense and in soul sense be able to be the conduit between the two of you in real time in which to connect? Um, Does she also have the ability to foresee or project into the future to know what the next go around of soul earthly experience may look like in your relationship with Ethan? You, Cause you've referred to no. five times. Is there a sixth time? Like, do you know what this is going to look like going forward? No. Um, okay. she, uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, Lisa, she doesn't have the ability to do that. Um, okay. And, and while we do have some ability within the Akashic records, to foresee potential options, mm-hmm. um, it really um, boils down to what are each of our souls going to choose going forward. Mm-hmm. And some of that, because of the journey that Ethan and I have been on for millennia together, um, some of that is going to be determined by what kinds of changes are we seeing happening on planet earth yes you know um because part of this conscious evolution is raising the collective vibration on this planet Mm -hmm. and i know for for some people that's going to sound like crazy talk i get that but the reality is is that each of us is here on a soul mission true and you know when we arrive in our human little baby bodies um, we come with a bit of a state of amnesia. And part, mm-hmm. of, part of our journey in the human realm is to rediscover what are we here for? What's mm-hmm. my purpose here? Because I'm not here just schlepping along marking time. 
Right. Like I'm here for a reason, right? Yeah. So, so what is that reason? Um, and for me, I understand that my reason is part of that catalyst. I am like the keystone that holds up a, a, a stone bridge, an arch in a stone bridge. I am that keystone that helps us to connect with that ancient understanding and that ancient knowledge with the new that is taking us into a different vibrational evolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ethan is now supporting that journey from the spirit world. So beautiful. I mean, you know, I had, um, I had a meditation uh, some weeks ago. Um, I can't remember if I told you this or not, but some, I don't very often see things um, visually when information comes to me from the other side. It's mm-hmm. more of an energy footprint that I just understand what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've dubbed that a just knowing. And so I was in a very deep meditative state and um, Ethan showed up in sort of a physical presence, which is very unusual for me. And so when that happened, it really sort of made my own being go, hey, pay attention here, mama, because this is big news, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did come with a message uh, for me. But what was curious to me was he was not alone. He had many, many, many other young souls around him um, that were sort of showing me their human forms. And I'd never encountered that before, so it was a bit anomalous. And so I said to Ethan, you know, like, who are all your friends? And he said, Mom, these are all souls that have crossed over like I did by their own hands. Wow. And he said, we're all supporting you. Um, And I'll apologize for the language. Um, But what he said to me was, hurry the fuck up. You're too (laughs) slow. And so so I said to him, excuse me. Remember that I'm still in the human world and we live in a very dense, slow space here compared to where you are. Like I'm working as fast as I can here. (laughs) But what he said to me is you need to hurry up because with everything that's going on on the planet, there are many that um, are exiting by their Mm -hmm. own hand. They can't stay in that plane of chaos anymore they have to leave and he said and that means that there are more and more mothers every day left face down on the floor good and they need wow they need help and they need support okay so we did talk about that but what I didn't ask you that came to me now in the retelling of that and again I appreciate how vulnerable and candid and and brave you are being so thank you very much for that you have no idea to what degree you're helping the listeners because you're answering questions that they don't even have to ask because you just go so deep uh and you're just so transparent and and you're so thank you for that um now, with that particular message having coming through from Ethan and, and his friends surrounding him and them being the collective of that demographic of, of having taken their life by their hands and him telling you to hurry the fuck up. I mean, do you, you know, is it a bit of a blessing and a curse? Do you feel, uh, uh, do you feel accountable, like the burden rests on your shoulders to perhaps 
prevent people doing that? Um, do you, to, like, to what degree no, do you because, take on? No, Lisa, that's not my choice. I don't, okay. I don't have any control over the choice that other souls make or True. any, you know, even in our human form, I have no control over other people's choices and their actions. Um, what I can tell you is that for me, the traditional conventional ways of processing grief weren't helpful for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't find solace and support going to um, a grief group um, because what that affirmed for me was I was, be I was being held stuck in my own humanness. Mm. And what I recognized very quickly was that wasn't going to serve me on this life journey, either at my human self or at my soul self level, um, that I needed to find a way to get unstuck from my, from my human experience so that I could actually see things with a bit more clarity. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I can't prevent other souls from choosing to exit this life by the actions of their own hand. That is not mm -hmm. my place to do that. Mm -hmm. um, what I can say is that, um, you know, once this life is ended, they are greeted on the other side with such compassion and love um, and offered so much healing. Mm -hmm. that um, it, it, it absolutely defies human speech. Um, and when you feel that level of love and compassion, which I have been gifted with feeling, I mean, it literally takes you to your knees. You can't even hold yourself upright anymore. Um, it's just so beautiful. It's, it's beyond words. Um, but I think that unless, you are very sure. And most people who decide to end their life through a suicide death, they are trying desperately to end their own pain. Yes. That's it. That's all. They just want yes. their pain to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Let me ask you this, uh, Melissa. So Ethan, Ethan passed over uh, when he was 25, he just recently, if I'm understanding correctly, relatively recently came through to you in physical form. Did he look like he was when he was 25 or did you, like, what is that process of, of development and people changing and aging and the spirit? Like, did he look the same as he did when he was 25 or did you see changes in him physically? No, he, you know, um, he was very recognizable as himself in human form, um, okay. but not quite, not quite the same. Um, and part mm -hmm. of that is because in that, in that fifth dimensional place, um, it's an, it's an energetic place. It's not a physical place. True. And so while he can show himself in a physical body, he has control over what that looks like to us. Mm -hmm. um, so as an example, sometimes he shows up um, as his small self, like he looked as a child. And 
plays with my grandson who's who's six um and my grandson doesn't recognize him as uncle ethan wow okay he now sees I'm, him get, I'm getting as, a, as a, i'm getting emotional when you said that him coming back into childlike form like i didn't even yeah. think about that yeah and so sometimes he shows himself to because children young children are very much still connected to the spirit world. So, sure. you know, we hear about, oh, that, that child has an imaginary playmate. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's not an imaginary playmate. That is a spirit yep. coming through. And that child sees that spirit in some capacity. Agreed. We yes. adults, that, that's kind of been speed out of us over the years, or, you know, it's frightened us enough that we've shut that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the answer is, is that all of us have the ability, we all have the capability of communicating with the spirit world. Most adults choose not to. Very true. And it's not really a conscious choice. It's a fear-based thing. Very true. Very, very true. You're, you're, you know what? You're succinctly articulating this so well. You are, I mean, this is the way, the way you're unpacking this for the collective is just so beautiful and it's just so crystal clear. Um, but being Thank cognizant you. of time, I, I want to give you the opportunity to, if you want to talk about what you've just launched and how people can best connect with you and what an initial consultation looks like. And, and because I'll tell you something right now, if, if, if I had experienced or if I do ever, and I hope that I don't where it becomes like child specific, where I, you know, mm-hmm. I can relate to what you've experienced um, firsthand. You're exactly who I would want to go to. I don't think, you know, and I, I'm not trying to discount the merits or the validity or the benefits of other ways of seeking help through other grief counseling groups or whatnot. But I'm like you, you know, I, I very much am part of the spiritual world. I, I live in the fifth dimension. I'm all about frequency and energy. And I don't mm-hmm. think I could, I could ascend or get beyond my material physical grief if I just did what physical material people do in their paradigm of thinking. So you must be such a breath of fresh air and such a beacon of light for people who speak your language, um, who have an affinity to you, understand the realm that you exist within and have used that to catapult you into where you are now, not just for your own healing process, but to be instrumental and cathartic for other people. So, I mean, I just want to say thank you very much for who exactly who you are, the fact that you've taken um, the most heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, transformative life experience, and you found it within you to turn darkness into brightness. Um, in that particular situation, I don't even know if I could, and I think I'm, I'm fairly evolved. I, I really don't. I, you're just, you are... You are from the spirit world. You're not from this world. I'll tell you that right now. I, I, even if I didn't believe, <laughs> even even if I didn't believe in that or subscribe to that, I would know there was something fundamentally different from you than anyone else. So, I just want to say the ways in which you're showing up for other people. I can only imagine what you're doing to alleviate that heavy-hearted, stuck place. I, I, you're just what you're doing is beautiful. Let's talk about what you're doing, what you've launched, and how people can connect with you, Melissa. 
Okay. Well, first of all, Lisa, thank you. You've just about rendered me speechless, and um, I got big crocodile tears uh, based Aww. on what you've just said. So thank it's you so very true. much for those super kind words. Um, you know, look, when I, when I set out trying to figure out what was going to be next for me, I knew that I needed to work with mothers who had experienced trauma of some description. But as I, as I delved further into it, I recognized that really – um, who I was most compelled to work with was other mothers who had lost children to suicide. Um, so with that firmly in mind, um, what I've done is I've created an online program, as you mentioned um, in your intro. Uh, the name of that program is Soul Empowered Healing for Mothers Surviving the Suicide Death of Her Child, A Guided Path to Reclaiming Personal Power, Purpose, and Peace. Um, so anybody looking to connect with me um, can connect with me either through my website, which is Soul to Soul Holistic Wellness. And I'm going to spell that for people. It's mm-hmm. S-O-L-E, like the sole of your foot, mm-hmm. to S-O-U-L, as in your soul being, holisticwellness.com. Um, they can also reach out to me through my Facebook business page, which is Soul to Soul Wellness, again, S-O-L-E. Um, to soul, S-O-U-L. And any mothers who are looking to connect with me who would like to get involved a little bit uh, with what I'm doing um, outside of the, the, you know, online program, they can reach out to me. I have a private community group. Mm-hmm. It is only for mothers who have lost children to suicide, although I get requests from all sorts of folks. But they can find that group on Facebook. It's called Beyond Coping and Surviving to Healing and Thriving. Um, so they can request uh, membership to that group. Um, and I do vet that group quite thoroughly because um, while I recognize that the need um, around suicide is huge. I mean, when I tell people what the numbers look like, um, so just briefly, the last posted numbers were posted at the end of 2019, uh, so almost 18 months ago now. At that point, there were more than 1 million documented suicides on the global platform. So if you do the math on that, that actually means that one person every 40 seconds, every single day, is dying by suicide. And that report... Uh, one of the final statements in that report was they estimated that that number was going to double by the end of 2020, and that was before the pandemic pandemic became known about. Um, Most countries currently are not posting their suicide numbers um, Mm -hmm. because the numbers, the increases are just so astronomical Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that people should be aware of is oftentimes what looks like an overdose or an accident isn't. Right. It looks like that on the surface, and often the medical people will call it that to mm-hmm. save the family pain of it. Because one of the big things that people grapple with around suicide is the fact that it was a choice. They made the choice to end their life, and then they acted on that choice. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes 
the grief around suicide complicated because mm-hmm. there is this element of choice. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't illness. It wasn't out of anybody's control. It was within their control. Mm-hmm. Right. It was and intentional. So, it was deliberate. Right. And so, you know, one of one of the hurtful things that people say is, well, um, you know, my, my child died from a drug overdose, just like suicide. Hmm. Uh, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. There's, there's a different level there because of that choice. Right. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that's, um, so this program that I've created is, um, a work, um, a work through it on your own situation. But what makes it a little bit different is I have created a private community where anybody working through the program has access to that private community. Um, we do some online group coaching through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to make crystal clear that I am you know, not a medical doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a mom who had to find my way through this. And based on the work that I've been doing in private practice for 20 years, again, you know, on one of those messy emotional days that I had, I heard my son's voice say, like he was standing right beside me, Mom, you have the tools. You help other people with this stuff. Use the tools that you have to help yourself. Beautiful. And it was like, duh, of course I do. What have I been waiting for? (laughs) Right. Well, I just, I want to say, Melissa, because we got to close out, unfortunately, but you're always welcome to come back. You have a standing open invitation, my friend. You most certainly do. Thank you very Um, much. Well, what I want to say is because I very much am connected to the spiritual world and I I feel energy around me all the time, whether people refer to them as guardian angels or people that you know whose souls have crossed over. Um, I just want to say to Ethan, because I believe Ethan is with us in this moment and he's hearing us having this conversation. I just want to say, Ethan, your mother is fucking on at full throttle, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I am for sure. Uh, Committed to helping anybody else who is looking for soul-empowered support. Uh, I'm compelled uh, to put my hand up and say, yeah, pick me. I'll help you as best I can. Lovely. Lovely. Well, I just want to say thank you again on behalf of the collective for everything you continue to to do, to pay it forward and to be of service and to really help people, like help people in the most instrumental, pivotal, gut-wrenching of ways. I just want to say thank you. Uh, And I take my hat off to you, my sister friend. I really do. And to the listening audience, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time for tuning in to myself and my guest of this uh, week, the amazing, bright, lighthearted Melissa Mitchell. I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next week when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest, I want to wish you all my very best. Love and gratitude to all of you and to you as well, especially Melissa Mitchell. Thank you so much, my friend. 
Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.